It's a big week for Kansas City soccer. Yes, Sporting Kansas City is in the thick of the MLS race to the top of the Western Conference. And KCNWSL has turned its home field into a place where no visitor wants to play. Star soccer writer Sean Goodwin discusses those topics on today's Sports Beat KC. It's Tuesday, October 19th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. But also, this is the week Kansas City presents itself to the world in the form of FIFA officials who will be in town to check out our region as a possible site of World Cup games in 2026. Kansas City is one of 17 cities vying for 11 spots, and FIFA, that stands for Federation Internationale de Football Association, will be in town Thursday on a tour stop. They'll check out Arrowhead Stadium, Children's Mercy Park, and other sites that would be used if World Cup games were played here. After a break, you'll hear part of my interview with Catherine Fox. She's director of the KC 2026 FIFA World Cup bid. So let's get started talking soccer. Sean Goodwin's with us, um, and you're wiping the sleep from your eyes. And I understand I stayed up and watched all of Sporting Kansas City's game Sunday night. We're recording this on Monday morning, by the way. And I, I was watching the, the game with you on or along with everybody else on Sunday night. Yes. Let's get this out of the way, Sean. What in the world uh, is the MLS doing scheduling a West Coast game at 7 p.m. local time, 9 p.m. our time, 10 p.m. in the East? Don't they want to draw an audience? Yeah, yeah you, you said it right there, Blair. And I was complaining about it on Twitter last night, so I'm sure some people saw me doing that. But, you, you know, it's... Outside of Sunday night football, no one else is watching any sort of sports, at least on a Sunday. Um, and it's tough, you know, you can say, does MLS want to have a Sunday night game and put on the East Coast at 7pm East Coast kickoff, which is what, four on the West, six here. It's not great, it's clashing with Sunday night football, I get that. But, I mean, if you do it, gang, if you do it. 9 p.m. on a Sunday for the Midwest. <laughs> it's clashing with football anyway. No one's watching it. So I was a little peeved and so were many other people. Yeah, and you had the baseball playoffs, uh, Dodgers-Braves yeah. last night as well. So two, you know, along with the Sunday night football, the Steelers and the Seahawks, you, you had, um, you know, two captive sports audiences. Oh, and then, by the way, on local, you know, on the Valley Sports here in Kansas City, you had Sporting Kansas City playing. But that's what I watched, and it was tough seeing Sporting get down to zip. Uh, got a goal back right before the end of the uh, first half. Great goal by Johnny Russell, but couldn't get it done and ended up falling two to one. On, you know, one thing about playing the, basically the final game of the weekend um, of the MLS is that you know how everybody around you in the standings did, and there was opportunity for Sporting to make up some ground in the standings, or at least you know, uh, pursue Seattle, which is first in the West and, and uh, put some distance between them and Colorado right behind them, lost yep. the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Um, obviously, Seattle, Colorado and Portland all dropped points on Saturday. So, yeah, I guess there's a, a big chance for a sporting win, go two points behind Seattle, um, four points out of Colorado and You've even got Portland's kind of sneaking in the background who are now just six points behind Sporting too. So, 
Gaelic drop points. This is a great opportunity against a surging Vancouver team, to be fair. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, Sporting Wing, I put some two points behind Seattle with uh, a big game coming up this coming Saturday at Seattle. Um, so essentially, it was almost in a sense of Sporting had uh, facing their own hands. Um, win out, you finish top of the West and you've already already fumbled that bag. So I guess we'll just have to react and go with the last five games now. Kind of frustrating to watch this game unfold with Sporting possessing what, six, oh, had the ball for about 65% of the game, uh, accurate passing, you know, it was, uh, but but Vancouver's defense I thought was, was excellent and it yeah. made it difficult to get shots. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it wasn't just an excellent man-to-man marking system, um, but they were disciplined as well. You weren't getting pulled out of position. I think, well, especially for a man-to-man, if you're trying to counter a man-to-man defensive system, you're trying to create those odd man situations, you know, 2v1, 3v2, out on the wings and whatnot. And that way, obviously, there's always a free man because it's man-to-man, it's a 3v2. Um, but Vancouver, they stayed extremely... Um, extremely compact and extremely disciplined and the movement from sporting just wasn't there. I think that's what piece of me says after the game as well. Um, but again, you know, we, we complain about this every week. Peter, he made one substitute at halftime. He's got five to make and he doesn't make any others for the rest of the game. And, I mean, if you're complaining about lack of movement you know, not moving off the ball for players, get some fresh legs off the bench. I get that sometimes you may be taking off a quote-unquote better player for a younger player or someone who's you know, not as good per se, but they're all good enough to play MLS, they're all good enough to play for Sporting KC, they're good players. Get some fresh legs out there, get some movement, and maybe you can find something a little bit different. But instead, we just got to watch a... Uh, a sporting team that didn't get a single shot on target in the second half and only two shots in the box the whole game. And they were, I'm doing air quotes for people who can't see us, they were shocks being a Andrew Fontas flicked header and then Luis Martins in like 93rd minutes. And I thought he didn't even like touch the ball. I guess he skimmed it and it counts as a shot. So definitely frustrating. Um, I will I will stop blabbering because I've got I've got all the Explain, you know this. So, so uh, tough to watch. Yeah, it was it was frustrating. Um, the, the Vancouver's second goal seemed to me to be a product of playing on the type of turf that uh, you know they're playing indoors, of course. And ball took uh, skipped and took that uh, that fast skip. And Milia couldn't get over there in time. It was a great shot. Both Vancouver goals were good, really good goals. Um, yeah. uh, but I, but, but I thought Johnny Russell had the goal of the game, uh, was, was wonderfully struck. And, um, I, I love, I, I love that left foot dominance coming from the, you know, the, the right side of the field. And, uh, he, he has just been on fire. What is it? Uh, team record, right? Uh, set a team record last night. Team record, six straight games. Um, Preki is, uh, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to pass on that mantle because it was five straight by Preki prior to that. Now, Johnny Russell's brought it up to six. So, yeah, um, you said it was goal of the game. It's definitely a very close one between um, the second goal for Vancouver and Johnny Russell. But 
yeah, great goal, crossing sides, got left foot. It's a, it's a wonged, just got beautiful curling to give bottom left corner. So, uh, yeah, I was, uh, he broke up Precky's record. I, the way I was thinking, he also broke Salvador Perez's record of a home run in five straight games. So there we go. Uh, Kansas City sports record this uh, set this um, uh, just, just last night. So, okay. What um, uh, you said, Seattle is next for sporting. Listen, a chance to it's it's a there's a five point difference between these two teams right now, and and Kansas City can can close that considerably with a victory there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but can the Sporting has won there this year already? Yeah, they won there earlier this year. It was a three uh, one game where Sporting took a three 0 lead within Lord um, the first. Oh no, I'm lying. They took a two 0 lead by half time, and then Cam Duke finished it off. Right, and uh, won three to one. Yeah, won three to one. Um, but yeah, they've won there. But that was a little bit different. They were injured players. It wasn't really the same teams. Uh, I guess it'll be a lot tougher this time around. And it's worth mentioning too that Wednesday, if you have nothing to watch Wednesday night, uh, Seattle plays Colorado. Um, so again, that's first place versus fair. Oh my gosh. First place versus third place. Yeah. Um, so that could have huge implications for sporting too. So see how it happens and see where sporting stands heading into the Seattle game for sure. Okay, Sean, let's switch teams and talk a little bit about KCNWSL. Uh, when we last talked, it was the day that Hugh Williams' team was, getting, was, was going to play at home against Houston that night. And look, Sporting's had a nice little run of home games lately. I didn't know what was going to happen in this one. And turns out what happened was the most decided victory by KCNWSL this season. And following along on with, with you on social media, it could have been worse than three to nothing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that could have been a five to six nothing game. Um, you know, it, Addy McCain hit the post. Um, Kiki Pickers hit the crossbar. A couple of other really good chances that were, came from good saves from uh, Jane Campbell, who's obviously a great goalkeeper. So, yeah. Uh, but Kansas City still ran out 3 0 wingers against uh, a Houston Dash team that is firmly in uh, you know, the playoff hunt and will be in the playoffs. So, absolutely, that game was the best game of the season. Um, you know, last time we chatted was coming off the Portland game, which was nil nil. But that was the now, uh, your first place Portland forms, they've just won the shield. Uh, and then yeah, they turn around Kansas City, turns around and beats Houston 3 0. So that was great. And then obviously, just to keep up with Galicia's news, Kansas City did lose to uh, Chicago 2 1 on Saturday as well. So a little, a little bit of a, a downward turn, but I was in Chicago as well, and that was a tough game decisions-wise for KC, which I'll be more than happy to go into, but I'll let you decide on that one, Black. Well, I, I was hoping they could build off the momentum of the Houston game and, and get their first road victory of the season in Chicago. Did not happen. Um, got, a, got a nice goal, of first-time goal, right, in, in that yeah. game? Yeah, Haley Mace with a beautiful header, Um and that's something that I've seen him practicing that on the training grounds, I'm pretty sure as well. Just a little bonk out on the corner, but she just kind of slid it over to Katie Bowen to give themselves a little bit of a better angle. And Haley Mace just running from basically the edge of the box and headering it from 
16 yards out since the top left corner. Beautiful goal. Um, but yeah, Chicago wins 2-1 because of a second-half goal that looked very offside in the build-up um, from Mal Pugh. It wasn't called. And Chicago go up and um, score a goal. And you know, after the game, Haley Mace, you know, it was offside from it. And then Casey Bowen, who's never wanted to mince her words, uh, she basically said, yeah, you know, we, we work our asses off day in, day out. So I'd hope that the officials go back and watch what happened here and better themselves and improve as well. So teams definitely frustrated about that, especially when it's a one-goal game. Uh, so tough for them, but, you know, we return to play back elections fields on Friday against Gotham FC at 7pm to, to round out the last two games of the season. Well, Friday game, that's interesting. Um uh, Friday at home. Is, is, would that be the last one, the last home game as well? No, they have, um, they have that game and then the last game of the season's at home on October 30th um, against O.L. Reign. So, day before Halloween and day after my birthday. Okay. Well, very good. Very good. All right. So, when when we have our chat session, Sean, we like to we, we talk about the entire soccer community here in Kansas City and a lot of that had gathered at Union Station last week, including yourself and, and me. We were loitering around out there. Loitering. <laughs> uh, um, and observing a the unwrapping of a streetcar with World Cup 2026 um, uh, plastered on it. It was a it was that was the occasion, a media occasion. Um, and, and of course, it was all about you know, Kansas City continuing its welcoming process for the World Cup bid. And this week, FIFA officials will be in Kansas City. I know that Chamber of Commerce has, is uh, rolled out, is going to roll out the best weather, fall weather that Kansas City can have. And, uh, and they're going to uh, ply them with, uh, with barbecue uh, when they have a luncheon on, I believe, on Thursday here in town. So, what were your impressions, your takeaway from the gathering at, at Union Station last week? And then I and I and, and, and I guess more importantly, were you did you leave any more or less convinced that Kansas City has a strong bid for the 2026 World Cup? Uh, I will say right off the bat, it, it was your last question. I don't know if I'm any more or less convinced. Um, I'm hopeful and I think Kansas City is doing everything right. Um, I also, at the end of the day, I'm not the most well-traveled human being. Um, in the last two years, I've went to Denver and Boulder, and that's it. <laughs> so, you know, other cities around the country, you know, trying to get a bid and get the World Cup, they could be doing just as great, just as awesome things in their city. Um, and I, I can't sit here and pretend that Kansas City is doing any better. What I will say is Kansas City is doing very well. Um, you know, obviously the, the streetcar is just a small part of it, but uh, you know, like I said, it's not good facilities and the stadiums, and we talked about all like that last week, which is great. But even just showing off what the city can bring, um, you know, it's going to light up the downtown skyline for when the um, when the FIFA uh, delegation is here. Bringing Joe's barbecue, of course. Um, Later, I can ask the US Women's National Team play in Kansas City at Children's Mercy Park, which 
I don't know if that was planned or not, but it was an excellent, excellent timing because uh, the delegation from FIFA have been invited and I assume they will accept uh, go to that game with um, the US Women's National Team. So I'm confident, so, you know, you, you listen to Mayor Quentin Lucas and, you know, he's saying that this is a massive deal for Kansas City. It's not just about the World Cup, it's about... Um, it's about going forward after the World Cup and the legacy project and what this can do for Kansas City long term. And everyone who is, you know, involved in this is really committed. And it was it, it was on show for not the first time this past week when we were at the streetcar unwrapping. You know, um, you, you make a couple of interesting points. You're right. The U.S. women's national team is going to play in Kansas City Thursday night against South Korea. The uh, I was Peter Vermees met, brought this up last week that look the men's team was here in the summer in the Gold Cup, so there have been some there were some FIFA FIFA officials in Kansas City for that event as well. They did they were, they got a maybe an early glimpse of Kansas City. Crowds were good, especially for the the game against Canada, as I recall. Um, yeah, look, um, Kansas City's doing everything it can to roll out the red carpet. Kansas City is a uh, one of the smaller markets bidding uh, one of ele- it's, it's one of seventeen U.S. cities bidding for eleven spots uh, for the World Cup in twenty twenty six, and the decision will be made and announced sometime in the first half of next year. So by by June, it's I, I think. This was supposed to be known by now, but COVID has slowed the process, and uh, these visits were supposed to have happened. They've already the FIFA delegation has already been to the East Coast cities. They're making a sort of a Midwest tour, Central Mountain Time Zone tour now, and they'll do the West Coast later. Um, yeah, for look, we, we know that New York, LA, probably Miami. There's some locks uh, for cities that are, are going to get uh, World Cup games. For a place like Kansas City, though, th- th- this would be massive and, uh, and, and the biggest sporting event that th- this city is, has ever had. Um, fingers crossed that, that it could happen. For sure. Um, okay, Sean, that's going to wrap it up for you and me. Uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, you're going to hear from Catherine Fox. She is the director of the FIFA, uh, the Kansas City 2026 FIFA World Cup bid. Sean and I both talked to her at Union Station last week. She had some interesting things to say. So we're going to take this break, come back, and you will hear from Catherine Fox. Sean, good talking to you. Always. Thank you, Blair. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. 
Do you get a sense that, um, I think we can all understand there's some locks, you know, some, some cities that are going to absolutely get, do you get a sense of what the Kansas City's real competition is in this? I mean, you know, it's tough, but if you look at it from a, a regional perspective, um, you know, you look at Denver, Cincinnati, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to put money on it, but I'm sure Dallas will get something, but they're pretty close to us. Nashville, um, you know, so it's just, it's it's tough because you don't necessarily know what is thinking when they're talking about planning matches. But I feel good about our location. We are no more than a four-hour flight from any potential World Cup host city in Canada, U.S., and Mexico. So from a convenience and, you know, transportation standpoint and things like that, like, we're really well positioned. Right. I was going to say that the geography, how about, it seems to favor, would favor, but how about market size? It would, can, can that work for or against? I mean, yes, I think it can work for or against in the, in, in the way that it work for, would work for us. And we've heard this from other rights holders that we partnered with on events is that Kansas City is really good at events because of the collaboration between like I mentioned, like both sides of the state line, all the city services, you know, the teams. It's just a very, um, it's an easy market to to produce an event in because, uh, frankly, we make it easy for them. We, we make it seamless and we all work really very well together. There's not a lot of politics you have to deal with. I mean, there's, in some of these other bigger markets, it uh, you know, it, it can be more of a challenge because they just have that many more layers and that many more people to keep happy. So, um, and you know, you know, there's many different rounds of the of the tournament, right? So, you know, maybe we might not get a final round, but but, but as from a market size perspective, we could certainly support any other any other round and blow it out of the water. I think everybody here understands, you know, what the World Cup is, but for those that don't understand, what the meaning and the impact would be what, yeah how can you so that? um well there's a couple ways i explain i mean there was a, a prominent consulting group boston consulting group who did a study and they came out with a report in 2018 um that projected that post city markets could uh generate up to 620 million dollars in incremental economic impact um you know that's a huge number, obviously, that that, that we would love to get a, a, a piece of. And then, you know, in talking to some folks, I'm trying to paint the picture of how many people engage with the World Cup, right? And one of the numbers that, that I throw out is I think 95 million people tuned in to the Super Bowl last year. 3.2 billion people tune in to the World Cup, which is half the world's population at the end of the day. So it is, I mean, it's the biggest sporting event, you know, in the world. And so I just, um, you know, I, I, some people have referred to it as the, you know, other football, but soccer is the, the, the big sport in the world. And so for us to be able to, again, showcase Kansas City on an international stage at that level would be just absolutely incredible. And, and again, not just Kansas City, our entire region would just be elevated with that. What do they want to see when they come here? Um, so they want to see the stadium. So obviously Arrowhead is, is would be the competition stadium. Uh, they are visiting all of the training sites that we have uh, presented as part of the bid, which is one of our strongest bid points. We have such incredible training sites that, that we can offer up um, that I think is a huge benefit for us. Um, and then, you know, we're going to showcase downtown, showcase Kansas City. We will visit the uh, 
sites that we have proposed as options for the FIFA Fan Fest. That's another huge component that, that maybe people don't understand is that if you are awarded a host city as a host city, you uh, you have to activate a, a FIFA Fan Fest, which basically you know shuts down an area of the city for four to six weeks where people can come and participate in all the World Cup activities, view the games, you know, interact with sponsors. It's a huge it's a huge festival that's closed off um, and just an incredible opportunity for obviously everyone in this market, but then regionally to come and, and get it and get a taste of it. So we will go to uh, we've proposed Union Station and World War One sort of oh, so sorry, we're all familiar with you know that that property that sort of is, is Kansas City's welcome mat, if you will. Um, and then we've also uh, proposed the um, South Lawn of the Nelson all the way down through Tice Park to the creek. So, you know, it really kind of needs to be an open area um, where they can erect um, tel giant television screens where people can watch any game that's happening at any time. And then again, like I said, sponsor activation, food vendors, things like that. So um, we'll take them to those sites and, and, and walk them around. Um, we've got some cool renderings that we're going to present to them of what the fan fest could look like. So it's, a, it's an all-day meeting, but there are several uh, groups and sort of parallel pathing during that, that day. How many hotel rooms do you have to offer? If, for the, if, if you're a World Cup city, what, uh, is there a minimum number of hotel rooms? Um, you know, I'd have to regroup with my friends at Visit KC on the specific number. We are, we are good. Um, they did actually, they came back and asked us to... Uh, provide them information about all available hotel rooms within a three-hour radius of Kansas City. Yeah. So, and again, I think that's reflective of our regional bid. I mean, we really are trying to represent the region and people can get to Kansas City, you know, driving very easily. And so I think that there's, it's not unheard of for, you know, it, for an event of this size and scope. I mean, this would be unprecedented in Kansas City. People will stay three hours, come in for the match, hang out at the FIFA Fan Fest, and then maybe head back out. But um, hotel rooms are not, are, not a, are not a concern of ours. I, can't, I can get back to you on a specific number, but we're, we're good. So just what's your, what's your level of sleepless nights or... Uh... <laughs> Do my eyes look red? Uh, it's been a lot of work. I mean, this is, um, it's a, it's a very intense, involved, detailed site visit. Um, but you know, it's fun because as you get into this planning process and you are able to take advantage of all of the incredible opportunities that Kansas City provides you, you start feeling really good. You're like, we, this is going to be great. They are going to love it. We are going to showcase Kansas City so incredibly. Um, we have some fans in U.S. soccer. You know, they they love Kansas City. They appreciate Kansas City not only as a soccer market, but just a market market. Um, so that's helpful. And uh, it's been stressful, but, you know, it just it makes you fall in love with Kansas City all over again when you realize how how great it is and how people don't necessarily realize that. And this is an incredible opportunity to just show that. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Sean Goodwin for stopping by and talking soccer. Links to stories about Sporting KC, KCNWSL, and Kansas City's World Cup bid can be found on KansasCity.com and in the show notes. Hey, let's talk about the morning sports edition. If you're not seeing this, you're really missing out. On KansasCity.com, go to the Star's e-edition. That's a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the e-edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner that says All Editions. Click on that, and you can access anywhere from 15 to 50 pages of sports. 
Maybe you get a link in your email. I do, and it's there by about 6 a.m. every morning. Anyway you get it, it is access to complete coverage of the previous day's sports, news, features, statistics, everything. It's fantastic. Okay, hey, thanks for reading The Star and to listening to our podcast lineup. You're helping support the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and we could not produce programs like Sports BKC without you. We'll be back Wednesday with another episode. Hope you'll tune in.